Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code assistant. IBM, let's create. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome back to It Could Happen Here, the only podcast you are legally allowed to listen to right now. Um, I'm Robert Evans. We talk about things falling apart, putting them back together, all that good stuff. Uh, with me as is like 70% of the time is my co-host Garrison Davis. Garrison, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. This is early for you. Yeah, this, I, they, had to, they had to drag me out of bed, but I, I, I made it. Just, uh, I'm excited uh, to talk about a hair our after topic. three. <laughs> hair okay, after three. I have my second coffee already. So yeah, our, our topic is gun culture, uh, and to discuss gun culture with me and a number of aspects of it, including how to maybe make a better one, uh, is Carl Casarda from In Range TV. Carl, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really stoked to be here, and it's a topic, as you can imagine, with my work on In Range TV, is uh, near and dear to my heart because. Uh, it's a challenging one. We've got a lot of yeah. great things in this community and a lot of challenges, too. Yeah, Gun YouTube has gone some really interesting places in the last, um, really, it feels like most of the growth happened like the last five, six years. Like, there's been a real significant 
increase in yeah i feel like there's been like a wave i feel like there's generations of gun tube there's like gen one gen two gen three and there yeah you had fps russian back in the day and stuff totally yeah yeah. and so there's a whole thing there there's there's generations of what was addressed Mm -hmm. and the conversation and the cultural significance as well as the gear impact i think we've got different kind of generations of it yeah and I think the stuff, obviously, when when aspects of gun YouTube go viral, it tends to be stuff that's like particularly problematic. But in my experience, most of it is just dudes shooting stuff to see what happens, or you know, trying out different guns and stuff. Like it is mostly, if you're someone who you know believes in the right to bear arms, it's mostly pretty much just like people trying out guns uh, and stuff with guns. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when things go viral, it's like my my experience with that. There's a number of reasons. Right? One is that mm. it's particularly gross. <laughs> that yeah, someone does something or says something fucked up. Somebody's out there dressed as a Rhodesian. You know? Right, stuff like that. That tends to, <laughs> tends to push the buttons. But yeah, yeah, most of the time, the stuff that gets the largest volume of viewership are, quite honestly, more banal. It's things like... It, uh, it, a 50 caliber AK exploding or shooting yeah. a gallon, you know, a 55 gallon drum of gas, that kind of stuff is the, that stuff that appeals to people that aren't just gun people. So they're like, yeah. Oh, I want to see shit yeah. explode. So let me click on it. Well, one of my favorite things is to look at videos of people destroying safe life vests. Yeah. One of my favorite <laughs> ways to watch gun YouTube. But I guess this is probably, we'll, we'll probably talk about this as the episode goes on. But w- once you watch enough of those from like one channel, you'll you'll get to a video when they fantasize about like shooting Antifa or something. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's just the way it goes sometimes. And it is, you know, the, the thing that my first, I guess, the first time I became aware of like online gun culture um, was a site that's still really near and dear to my heart. I'm sure you're familiar with it, Carl, the Box of Truth. And mm-hmm. it was like, and I think this is like 15 years ago or something like that is when I started reading their stuff. And it's it's just like some kind of bubba-y dudes in Texas who will take different, who will try out like, hey, there's a myth that um, this specific round in Korea got stopped by people who were wearing multiple layers of like clothing in the cold. Can winter clothing stop this bullet? And they would, sh- they would you know, mock up the clothing on like a target and they would shoot it. And, or like, how many books does it take? Like, if you have a full backpack, how many books would it take to stop a round of nine millimeter? If I... Like, it's it's all very much, like, practical, hey, people, you know, say this works this way or this works that way. Well, let's go out and shoot some stuff and test how it works. And um, I think was, like, it, it, it is, as you said, the kind of thing, I think even if you don't own guns, you might find interesting just because, like, a lot of it is dealing with here's things you've seen in Hollywood, what actually happens. Um, so I, I, I do think, like, fundamentally there's a, a, always going to be a place for that kind of content because it's it's not just like stuff that people who like guns are interested in. It's just stuff that has kind of objective value. You know, you're trying to expand what people's understanding of things. Yeah, I call that gee whiz content. It's like gee yeah. whiz, what happens if, right? Yeah. And so on in range, the closest equivalent to that, which are the videos that get the most views, are our somewhat now infamous mud tests. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started off six years ago and it was literally, it was gee whiz, let's go do this. And uh, of course, there's this longstanding lore it, everywhere outside of the gun community and in it about the AKM being this undestruct- indestructible unicorn you ride into combat that no yeah. matter what happens to it, it fires. And the AR-15 being this fragile piece of shit. And in our mud test, of which we've now done multiple of it, while initially it was just gee whiz, over time in aggregate, it turned out to actually have really interesting data points in that the AK doesn't do well in mud and the AR excels in mud, which is completely against the lore about Vietnam, which is a different problem. But that kind of thing extends beyond the gun community because people are like, 
guns and mud. What happened? It's gee whiz. It's Mythbusters kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, but it's interesting how you can learn from it. Yeah, and I, I think one of the problems that is, uh, we we could say like has is, is an issue on on gun YouTube, and one of the things that has become an issue in it, it, this isn't just within the gun culture; it's everywhere. Is that like if you're into that stuff, and if you're if you're coming into it, like I want to see people do this G whiz stuff, or I just want to see reviews of different guns because I, I might be buying one. Um, Google's algorithm is going to feed you a lot of stuff, and some of that stuff is going to be people who, yeah, are preparing to like shoot folks at protests and are filming videos about that and stuff. And that it, it has this um, it has this radicalizing effect on a lot of people, and it also has this kind of can have this kind of radicalizing effect on content where you know most political stuff you see isn't kind of that overt, but it does. If somebody has a, vi a video where they're being more explicitly political outside of, you know, you know, arguing in favor of gun rights, but if they're getting kind of political in a broader sense, and that does really well, the way that content works is other people might be like, oh, well, folks want me to do a political video. Folks want me to talk about, I don't know, Nancy Pelosi or whatever. Um, and that that's, you know, not just a problem with gun culture or gun YouTube, but it has increasingly become a thing. And in the NRA, kind of very famously, there's a good podcast on the how that organization has kind of gone from where it started to where it is that talks about like NRA TV. But they their YouTube channel had some pretty outrageous shit for a while. And I, I think it left an impact, even though it failed eventually. Well, the NRA is a tool. We can get into that later. The NRA yeah. has changed so much since its origins yeah. to what it is now. It's not even the people that found it, it wouldn't recognize it, I don't think at all. But mm -hmm. um you're touching on a topic there that's also near and dear, and I'm not trying to promote in range here. That's just we're having a conversation. Mm -hmm. But years ago, I decided to proactively demonetize. I turned off my AdSense, and I take no money from any views. So it's not like advertising doesn't drive what I do. And I feel like the reason I did that was partially just fuck you, YouTube. It was the hacker manifesto of you come watch my content. I cost you money versus make you money, which is kind of a statement on my part. But additionally, I do feel like whether it's firearms or any other content, that is completely advertiser supported. There is a dangerous thing there in that you have to pursue the clicks like a heroin addict and the clicks make you the money. And therefore you're going to make the stuff that's going to make the clicks because that's how you make your income. And even if you don't want it to, do, it can affect you. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, like, how do you kind of, how do you, um, how do you, how do you approach sort of dealing in, this space where it is so easy for things to become politicized. Like, do you, is that, is that a kind of thing that you have to be consciously sort of picking your battles, I guess? Uh, I, I'm just kind of interested in, in, in how you, because you definitely have been more open about having kind of more uh, on the left libertarian side of things, politics, than a lot of people talk about in that space. How do you decide kind of what is worth inserting and what is worth kind of just, you know, no one needs to to hear that within this context? Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that that's an easy thing to answer, right? It's hard. Like, there's a lot yeah. of landmines. But when, um, I, introspectively, for me, the answer for me, at least, was I'm just going to come to this content as my honest self. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm just going to produce what I want to produce, it's, and since I don't have to worry about advertising dollars, I'm just going to make the shit I want to make. And it, as a result, uh, I, I guess it's sometimes considered an alternative voice, but I don't think it really is. I think that the loud loudmouths have made it sound like there's only one voice in this community, but there isn't. And so by just being legitimate and honest and being me, there is turned out to be a lot of groundswell. If you want to use grassroots type people out there that want to hear 
something that's not just evangelical American Taliban. <laughs> so, but but in terms of what where to where what where to put your foot on what landmine, I guess I did, for me my decision has been to do topics that have been intentionally ignored that shouldn't have been. Like I've done a bunch of videos about um, the confluence of civil rights and firearms ownership, which mm -hmm. there's a lot of it, and it's it's oh, really yeah. amazing how much there is, and no one talks about it. Yeah, I mean, we, we yeah we we've chatted about that a little bit in some of our episodes. But it was like 1919 when there were all those like race riots around the country, or even if you're looking at like the post construction period, there's a, a history both of like gun control being used for racist purposes, but also just of communities arming themselves, black communities arming themselves that is is woefully undertold. Um, although it is people are starting to deal with it more, thankfully. Um, I'm kind of interested in talking to you about sort of the culture jamming aspect of we have this huge gun culture, aspects of it are very toxic and becoming politicized in a way that is um, aggressive. Um, how do we how do we have a positive influence and kind of hopefully pull things back? Because I, I do think within kind of the issue of gun rights, there's more, actually more possibility for people to sort of come together and reach an accord than there is on something like abortion. Um, and I, I think a lot of that conversation is going to start in spaces like the one you inhabit. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I like what you said, culture jamming, because another term I've heard is subversive. Well, that's not the intent, but like you mentioned, the Red Summer of nineteen nineteen, and uh, yeah, I talked to when I I talked to a lot of people that that are really historically interested and minded, and I was astonished how many people had not even heard of it, never mind knew only like the explicit realities of it. And so, when it comes to the culture jamming thing, there's one video I did about um one or two of the events of Red Summer of nineteen nineteen, one of them here in Bisbee locally, and it's an interesting problem to someone who normally would be considered a, a a very standard issue firearms content creator. In that particular Red Summer 1919 episode, it turned into the local police attempting to disarm the 10th Cavalry soldiers who are off, you know, military soldiers in Bisbee on recreation. And so you've got this interesting cognitive dissonance. Do I support the cops that a lot of firearms people are like, just blindly support or do i support the military which a lot of firearms people blindly support when both of them converge and the and it's a racist agenda in it that poses a question that i like to do with like this kind of content because it means that the viewer has to really if they get through the video have to introspectively go holy fuck which do i support or do i support neither or is there a problem here i haven't been considering i think asking questions like that really matters The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? 
All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku streaming experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. to like start these conversations with people who are kind of in the same space but but not you know i haven't considered talking about this stuff before or on what would traditionally be seen as kind of very opposed political um wing how do you kind of start these conversations in a way that makes it most likely that you're going to be able to have a positive dialogue that actually moves forward as opposed to kind of getting bogged down in the in the things that cause people to just kind of lock horns generally when you we start getting into these areas yeah, you know, I don't know. It's totally possible. You're going to have that problem no matter what, right? I'm sure, sure you see that with you see that with your work for sure. Absolutely, um, yeah. When you take an honest approach to history and just be like, "Here's the facts," um, there's going to be people that are just going to be completely resistant to that. They're not going to take it. But um, I think the best way to do that is to just be that honest approach to it. Like one of the things that I think we do with firearms content: gear is cool, tech is cool, guns are neat. They're fun. I enjoy shooting with guns. I like the sport of it. I like going to competitions, but one of the things that gets left out of the conversation a lot is what are the implications of firearms and the sociological, economic environments that we live in? And I think that's one of the things that doesn't get talked about. And so if we talk about it fairly and also tend to, I think it's hard to do, but have people from all sides of this perspective, as long as they're not completely dangerous and toxic, being yeah. part of the conversation, we can have a better middle ground. That's the hard part. Like, so being inclusive, ironically, even of views that you aren't necessarily your own, as long as the person you're dealing with isn't. My line is if you're actively supporting bigotry or the the harm of other people, there's a no-go. We're done. But yeah. if we have different views, but we realize that that's not the intent, then, then we should have a conversation. I think that that's a big difference. Now, I think one of the areas in which this can get murkiest is when you are talking to people, and I've had a few of these conversations, who are convinced that there is uh, th- that they're kind of on the precipice of of a violent conflict sparked by someone coming to take their guns, right? That and it, it and you know there's the version of this that is like I'm worried that the ATF is going to do some fuckery and a bunch of my shit's going to be illegal, which is pretty reasonable. And then there's the I'm worried Antifa is going to come to my small town and 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 take my you know guns or do whatever, like because that there are often people in that who are just kind of. Um, tragically misinformed and radicalized in a way that they're not so much uh, 
eager to harm people as they are just like broken and frightened because of the things that have been fed to them. Um, do you have any kind of best practices when it comes to sort of approaching those conversations and trying to improve the information those people are getting? I guess for me in that regard, what I hear when I see people like that, and I think all of us have those people in our world, whether it's yeah. your, your aunt or your uncle or a friend, right? Like we've seen yeah. that over the last couple of years for sure. Um, I think the best thing you can do there for me, and again, I'm just talking to my approach is uh, break the echo chamber if you can. And so the echo chamber is the problem. When we suck from the fire hose of only one source, like nonstop, yeah, that's going to be dangerous. That's the kind of stuff that pollutes your mind to the point where you can't think outside of that box. So mm -hmm. like being more inclusive, and I, that word is kind of a trigger word, a catchphrase, but being legitimately more inclusive and presenting a lot of different diversity that really is part of the firearms community can, I can in some circumstances break the echo chamber. Like I'm really happy with this one project on the channel where I'm working with Annette Evans about specifically uh, a female or woman's approach to, to self-defense with firearms. And you don't really see that. You'll see like channels that are only for women and you'll see like all the majority of gun channels that are only for gun fascinated dudes. But like throwing that into the mix, there's going to be some subset of people that will click in and watch it out of that G whiz level. And that kind of stuff can break a paradigm in terms of, well, I never thought of that or never looked at it from that perspective. And that's at least that's what I think is the right answer is mm -hmm. do your best to make sure you're approachable and try to break the echo chamber. Yeah, that makes complete. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think uh, the other side of this is also worth talking about because we've kind of been focused on how do you break the echo chamber? How do you get people who are you know in the gun culture on the right to be more open minded? The other side of this is you have a lot of people who are kind of liberals um, or on the left who have a really reflexively negative um, mm. opinion to the to, uh, a reaction to the the very idea of gun ownership or gun rights and have these, you know, you, you will generally see there's there's a mix of people who can come to it from a very reasonable and argued point and a mix of people who are just going to like, in the same way that folks on the right do, throw out a handful of quotes that they've seen on memes um, that they can use to kind of, you know, shut down debate. How do you, do you have a lot of those conversations where you're kind of trying to make people at least more open to, because this is something my work has dealt with a lot, is kind of trying to sit down to like, I get why you don't think these things should be legal. Um, obviously, I, I, I see the same mass shooting news that you do. There's a problem, a deep problem with guns in this country. I don't deny that. But like, let's also talk about the idea that the state should have an absolute monopoly on on the ability to do violence. Let's talk about the ability of marginalized groups to defend themselves. Let's talk about the history of gun control and how it like it is. It is. There's a lot of conversations that kind of get wrapped up in that. Um, I'm wondering, do you have thoughts in terms of like how to kind of broach those and progressive avenues to go down to when you're having that side of the conversation? You know, it's totally interesting. I think I feel like, and I don't, I'm curious what you think about this from your work as well. I feel like over the last, for good reasons, over the last couple of years, more than a couple of years. I think I've seen, maybe it's just my own echo chamber, I've seen a lot of people on that side of the political spectrum coming more and more around to being pro-gun. Yeah, um, I mean, then the, the statistics back that up. Support of, yeah, of gun and control so, in the United States is the lowest it's been in quite a while. It's that, like, it, there's that joke on that side of the political fence about you go far enough left, you get your yeah. guns back, right? Um, so, um, but I think there's been a real wake-up call for a lot of people that used to be very much vehemently against the idea with some of the stuff they saw and mm -hmm. went, whoa, uh, um, th this isn't, these aren't going away. And if you're reasonable, if you're willing to have a rational thought about 
at least in this country, the reality of firearms ownership, whether you like it or not, it's not debatable. This is real. It's what it is. We're not like they could ban everything tomorrow and there's going to be AR-15s in this country for the mm -hmm. next hundred years. Um, so that ain't going to change. So with that realization, maybe the maybe the better idea, with, which I think is with all technology, is instead of being afraid of it, is to actually learn about it and understand it. Whether you want it or not, it's up to you. But like learning and understanding it is at least a step further forward than just complete abject fear. Um, yeah, that that is often kind of where I start the conversation with just like we have to deal with the reality as it is on the ground, which is that there's 400 million firearms in private hands here, which is not all that far from half of all of the guns in the world. Um, so any any sort of like plan you have, it's the kind of like one of the things that often comes up in those conversations is Australia. And people will say, we're like, well, they were able to do it after no, Port Arthur was Scotland. Um, I forget the name of the massacre, but there was a massacre in, in 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 Australia that they banned most kinds of firearms after and confiscated uh, them. And it gets brought up a lot. We're like, well, they did this in the short frame of time, and there was this this impact on gun violence deaths. Why couldn't we do it? And the reason is that they had to confiscate a total of two hundred thousand arms, and there's four hundred million guns in private hands in the United States. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's a different scale of problem, and th that's before we get into sort of the legal barriers, because Australia didn't have a Second Amendment, obviously. Like, whether or not you like it, firearms have a level of protection that is equivalent to the protection free speech enjoys in this country, and you can't just pretend that's not the case. There's a tremendous body of jurisprudence around it. Yeah, no, totally. And, like, so that that's that's part of it is the reality. The Australian here is a completely different beast as well as culturally like mm -hmm. the people that were into guns there and i don't mean to offend any australians listening but it wasn't like here like in a place Nothing like arizona <laughs> like yeah. a place like arizona guns are just if you're an arizonian yeah. they're just intrinsically part of life whether mm -hmm. like they're just constant they're everywhere you go to like you see them open carry you not always do she open carry either sometimes it's like reasonable open carry sometimes you see the other side of it but they're just everywhere it's just part of the deal and it's like yeah. a lot of that in a lot of the country and so um I actually think that that fear-based ignorance of them is more dangerous because then we don't teach people what to do around them or how to be safe around them. Kind of like abstinence, like education in schools, teach people not to have yeah. sex. Well, that's fucking dumb. That ain't going to work. And guns exist in this country. Just, just be afraid of them. That don't work either. So in that regard, I think that the um, reality is it's much better to um, to approach this. What, what I think, I guess, the way I try to deal with that is if you don't fetishize them, people that are more afraid of them are less likely to just click away. If you talk about them, like this is a thing, here's mm -hmm. what they are. They're not a, a totem against evil. They're just a, to a tool. And here's a historical story or narrative or sociological impact of this. That's not fetishizing it as some religious item. I think that that helps break that barrier a little bit. And, and I, I think that that does bring me to something I think about a lot, which is the, how you're in, and actually has, I think, gotten a bit better than it was prior to Sandy Hook, but the very sorry state in a lot of cases of, of advertising of gear and guns. Um, I think the most famous example was a, I believe it was a Bushmaster ad that got pulled after Sandy Hook that was like an AR-15 that came with a man card that you would yep. get like with your gun. <laughs> get your and, man card back, I think it's Yeah, get your man card back. Your man card yeah. has been reissued because you have this gun here. And that, I, 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 you know, I, I've seen a lot of different gun cultures because it's actually like we've just talked about how unique U.S. gun culture is, but a lot of people actually own firearms around the world. There's a lot of even like in Europe, like France has a very significant gun culture. Oh. Um, and in Germany, you'd be surprised like people can own a lot of the same weapons you can here. There's a lot more hoops to jump through to to get access to them. 
Um, but there's still like there's gun cultures all around, and especially places like Iraq and Syria. It was really going to um, when I saw kind of the gun culture that I I most wanted to port some things over to hear from there. It was in northeast Syria in Rojava, where like damn near every not every individual, but every like family had an AK because in part there was this understanding that you have a duty from time to time to like patrol and and watch your neighborhood and not in sort of this like I'm going to set up a checkpoint. For Antifa, but in a like, hey, ISIS just carried out a big attack. Let's let's get some folks out into the streets to like watch our neighborhoods because that's just the reality of the world. And we don't we don't do we don't just have like a group of militarized police rolling around every neighborhood. Like we also are responsible for protecting our communities. And so we train with weapons. And there was a lot of conversations I had with women about like, well, the fact that I have this and know how to use it now means that things can't be done to me that were before. Because I have an AK-47, and that means something. I, I would like to port the kind of, like what you were talking about, not just seeing it as a tool, but seeing it as a tool with societal responsibilities. You don't just have a gun so you can hole up in your house in the zombie apocalypse. You have a gun because you're part of a community and because there's there's some value that we see in members of the community being armed and not just the state. Yeah, no, totally. So, I mean, that goes, that kind of goes way back to the old, like, now sort of silly sounding thing, but like, God made man, cult made them equal, right? So, yeah, before, yeah. before that, like, if you were a frail human being, for whatever reasons, um, you really were sort of defenseless, especially in places like the frontier. Yeah. But skill at arms could change that. And, yeah. um, and that it puts, it can put a more balanced power infrastructure in place. Um, not that I want to live in a world where we're always like at this point of um, mutually assured destruction, but it is much better to have more power balance than power imbalance. And firearms absolutely provide that in trained, responsible, educated hands. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I think the story should be, right? That's the emphasis. Like when, when the whole thing happened, went down in Iraq, like you're describing, I think it was ironic. One of the things that, that the U.S. military did was allowed every home to have an AK, like because you get to keep one gun and it's one of these. And uh and you talked about gun ownership worldwide, like um, once you jump through some of the hurdles in some of these countries, it's actually easier to own certain things than you can, like, like a machine gun, a for example. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a machine gun in the U.S. is highly regulated since 1934 and pretty difficult and highly expensive because of a specially closed market. Mm-hmm. But like bloke on the range, one of the guys I work with on, on, on YouTube, uh, once he gets his permit, like he's like, I'm just going to go buy a fully automatic Sten. And he just does. And it's not at an exorbitant price like it would be in the United States. So it's not apples to apples. Like these controls, whether we like them or not, some of them are actually more liberal than we have in the United States. Yeah, and I think a good example of that and an example of where like a lot of folks who might kind of reflexively think this is insane, but like it's silencers, you know, suppressors uh, being the more accurate term, but silencer is what you call them. It's the thing you see James Bond screw on the end of his gun to make it quiet. Um, And... There's the, like this attitude that they should be heavily restricted because there's this misnomer that, for the most part, they make things sound like stuff in James Bond. Now, there are some ways to get a, a firearm that is incredibly quiet, um, particularly using like a smaller round and subsonic ammunition. There are some very some weapons you can effectively make quiet enough that people won't notice it. But when you're putting a silencer on an AR-15, it is not quiet. No one will miss it firing. <laughs> but what it won't do if you have to defend yourself in your home is shatter your eardrums forever, right? Or, and this is honestly the bigger case for suppressors, if you are hunting with an animal, as a lot of people do with your dogs, you can have a suppressor on your shotgun as you're bird hunting or whatever, and you will not destroy that dog's ears. 
Um, you know, it's the same thing like hunting for deer. You know, it's 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 easier. Um, it's like less dangerous for you potentially. Like I, I it, one thing you notice if you've spent a lot of time around hunting dogs, they don't have good hearing by the time they get older because they're hunting oh, dogs. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's funny suppressors. Like everything that's that's more controlled is got a a lure of magic around it, right? Like mm-hmm. oh, a suppressor, a silencer, or or for that matter, a machine gun, and like therefore yeah. it is the forbidden fruit, and everyone wants it more than they ever would have. Once you own, I have one transferable machine guns with tax mm. stamp the whole nine yards. Yeah. And I shoot it like once a year because you shoot it and then you're like, wow, that was expensive. And yeah, that was bad. 150 bucks. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we, that was fun. And then you put it away. And the truth is the semi-automatic stuff is far more interesting and actually generally more effective. Once yeah. you use full auto fire, it's got very limited use. Um, Fully there. there. I mean, there is like if we, again, are being complete, there's one mass shooting I can think of where a fully automatic weapon made the shooter more dangerous. And it was the the Las Vegas shooting because he was in a set fixed position. Um, he was holed up um, and he had he was not like moving and standing. He was like braced while firing into a crowd from a building. As a general rule, if you're talking about like what's someone going to be more dangerous with if they're somebody who decides to shoot up something. It's a semi-automatic weapon because an automatic weapon, number one, going to jam more often requires a bit more understanding and know-how on behalf of the user and also is a lot harder to hit with and will run out of ammunition very quickly as opposed to a a semi-automatic AR-15. The reason they are so often used in mass shootings is it's kind of the best weapon to use for that. If that's it's the also thing prolific, right? There's like yeah, and it's so easy. And available. AR-15s yeah. are cordwood in this country. Yeah. You can like they're literally everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. The Las Vegas shooter, though, I don't know that he had actually any truly select fire guns, weren't they? Mostly it was bump yeah. Stocks? It, he was using a bump stock. I think yeah. it's close enough to yeah. Well, well, no, it's a good analog, but it yeah. is interesting to note. And that guy, what's interesting about that guy is, um, well, of course, his act was horrific and evil. Obviously, but, like, yeah. He used a bunch of AR-15s with like shitty bump stocks. Mm-hmm. And he had planned something like this for years, apparently. Yeah, and he had tannerite in the setup too, which is a, I, I, a, a, yeah. No one knows. Yeah. I mean, as we know, no one currently. I don't know anyone knows what his motivation was. At least it hasn't been released. But he had been planning something like this for a very long time. Yeah. And what's ironic about that is that if he had bided his time, he could have actually had a real select fire, like belt fed machine gun. He yeah, just he didn't. Was a millionaire. Yeah. yeah, he could have done that, and uh, um, this could. But he just went with this bump stock kind of garbage which is weird um that's a whole nother topic but it is when it, it comes yeah but yeah. and it, it is like that is one of those cases when you talk to people on the right where it's like after that shooting um donald trump and his administration banned bump stocks um which is more gun control than we got out of eight years of obama that's <laughs> like a, you know oh boy you point that out at least on the federal level you know in fact yeah. um uh, there's always this narrative that, you know, this political party will take your guns and this political party mm-hmm. won't. But the truth is, statistically and historically speaking, both tend to err on the side of trying to add more restrictions over time. Like if yeah. you do it over time, like Obama didn't. In fact, Obama opened things up. I think he liberalized uh, concealed carry of pistol or firearms in national parks. He yeah. actually, he actually he made guns it. a little easier to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. But then via essentially as executive order edict you got trump banning bump stocks which whether you like bump stocks or not i think the way that went down is questionable legally speaking but that's another topic it, it and anyway. and obviously bump stocks were also somewhat questionable they legally were. speaking yeah. yeah right right totally um, totally but yeah like, but that sets an interesting precedent with what he did with just like fiat edict um but that that said like historically over time there's always been more restrictions not less from both sides 
And when you point that out, the people that just kind of drink the Kool-Aid from one side or the other want to just immediately knee-jerk on you. And you're like, no, this is weird. This is coming from all directions, really. Yeah, and I think it is It is a big part of it is just that, like, as a general rule, people who are rich and powerful do not want poor people to be armed. <laughs> Doesn't tend to work out in their favor. The only time yeah. they want poor people armed is when they send them to a war they've decided to have. Yeah. And, and obviously the history of gun controls would have really tied to racism yep. and the Black Panthers and mm-hmm. a whole bunch of stuff around California's gun laws being started to curb uh, black people from promoting firearms. And so it would be, we would be remiss. I mean, you could argue in some that ways fact. that Reagan had a big role in inventing our modern concepts of like what gun control means and what kind of gun control laws like liberal states tend to go I, after. Absolutely. Bans on open carrying, bans on, you know, concealed carrying of arms, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's deeper than this. And there's always nuance to all Obviously, these things that yes. are really hard, right? But like, um, like California, which is kind of one of the flagship states of gun control. Yeah. Um, and I think that their methods are bizarre to me and almost un, un, not understandable. But like you talk about Reagan, pretty much they were like, guns are cool. And then the Panthers walked around with some guns. They're like, whoa, fucking guns whoa. are scary. We better do something. And uh, of course, the, the the image of the Panthers with their guns out walking down the street, which was their legal right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and it was rad. <laughs> it mo- yeah. And it motivated um of course, a lot of things in California, which now we see where, where that has led in California yeah. gun control laws, um, has also changed the narrative for so many people that are unwilling to look at things from a truly broad historical perspective. That's only one tiny thing the Black Panthers did. And yeah. uh, the rest of their actions are so lost to just the pictures of them standing around with M1 carbines. And that's another example of leaving out like the sin of omission. We'll talk about one thing, but not the rest. And therefore, the historical narrative is only one thing. And it is also, there's a lesson in that for people who are on the left and who are advocates of gun ownership about what happens in terms of media and in terms of how your movement is thought about and remembered when guns are a part of it. Because that's always going to, for a variety of reasons, and we can say a lot of those are very unreasonable reasons, but if you are a political group um, who is armed and makes that a visible part of your activism – that is going to really dominate a lot of conversations. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be, but it means you have to go into that understanding that, like, that's just how it works in this country. Yeah, you will immediately get the, you will immediately from at least some part of the perspective, whatever whatever side you're on, you will immediately get someone slinging extremist militant at you. Yeah. Um, but by the way, I mean those are real things too. There are those. I'm not saying there aren't extremists. Well, sure. Obviously, yeah, we, we talk about them all the time. Yeah. yeah, this country's full of them, as is the world. So that's not that's yeah. not an unreasonable thing that does exist. But the minute you go ahead and stand with that gun, you're going to get that label, whether it's truly something you earned or not. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. 
Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. There's a very deep conversation that we've talked about. We've had it in in pieces on this program and other shows that we've done on Cool Zone about like when makes sense to be openly armed and when makes sense to be openly armed as part of a group because that is um, a very fraught question as like the the what happened in the Chaz in 2020 uh, made abundantly clear but in you know a bunch of cases you know, Kyle Rittenhouse and whatnot there's a ton of different reasons why choosing to be openly armed um, there's a debate to be had about like how that influences everyone around you how that influences it influences the demonstration and I, I I've seen and heard it used in in good ways and in irresponsible ways. I've seen people carrying guns at political events in order to intimidate others. I've also seen people carrying guns at political events to create essentially a buffer where it's like, okay, there's going to be people fighting at this event. There's going to be clashes. If we're standing here as a group with guns, there's a place people can run back to and the fighting won't continue because nobody wants to push that. And that's- Yeah, without talking about specifics of intent yeah. or any of those situations you already talked about because I can't. But yeah. I think I think it does. Like I, it always comes back to this thing of intent, right? So, to me, um, you're right for the firearm. Absolutely true, regardless. Like even if I disagree with you, this is a right. Like we said, it's protected, like the First Amendment. Yeah. It's the second. Um, but um, I think the the problem starts to come when you've decided to bring the firearm solely for the intended purpose of intimidation. Like yes. that's that's where I start getting like this is this is troubling, right? But if you're bringing it for personal defense or community defense, or there's a need because your community is really at risk. I mean, one of the examples of a civil rights one was um, this is um someday I'll do a video about this. Uh, a community knew that the Klan was coming to intimidate them, and they armed up with surplus M1 Garands and and mm -hmm. steel pot helmets, literally dug fighting positions and fought them off. The Klan ran for their lives. No one was killed, but. They literally used M1 Garands to uh, to stop the Klan from infiltrating their community. Um, that was not used as a weapon of intimidation. It was used mm -hmm. as a weapon of community defense. I think yeah. that's intent goes everywhere. Yeah, that's fucking dope too. Um, and yeah, I uh, I think um, one thing that 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 kind of 
I, I think there's a conversation that needs to be had when we start talking about when is reasonable and what situations are reasonable to carry a gun open or concealed, about also what should be carried. Um, I've certainly seen, because I don't, I, I think that the most harmful thing is certainly people carrying a gun to intimidate. I've also seen people carry guns as a fashion statement, which yeah. is not the same thing, but is bad. For example, people on the left, people at a protest bringing a, a loaded Mosin um, to, because it was the gun the communists used, which is like, you don't, you don't want to be in a firefight in a dense urban environment with a Mosin Nagant. <laughs> You, you Did you bring your rubber mallet to beat the bolt <laughs> yeah. open when it gets stuck? Yeah, to, I mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It is a gun that doesn't function without a sizable hammer, you know? Like, <laughs> Not generally um, speaking, yeah. And of course, people on, like, I, I remember outside of this anti-mask rally, these two guys who were up and carrying ARs, one of whom had an AR-10 with a 100-round with a drum, was talking about how he had like 400-something rounds on him, and it was like, and in case stuff pops off. And it's like, what are you... Number one, like if you're talking like that, you've spent no time thinking about what actually happens in the situations in public areas in which gunfights occur, because none of them that have happened in any time in the recent future have involved people needing to get 400 rounds of ammunition or or drum magazines or whatever. Like you are you are not in Fallujah. You are in Salem, Oregon. Um, the extent to which a firearm can be useful for uh, self-defense in that does not like bragging about the number of bullets you have is just like weird and gross See, you know this is going to come off maybe a little strange or even counterintuitive but when i hear someone like that of what you just described in that particular person first of all that gun's barrel would burst in 400 rounds but that's a whole nother topic probably mm -hmm. but that said um when i hear that i almost have like um it's kind of sad because the reason that's sad is that person is doing that one because they've been sold the idea that the firearm's a talisman like that mm -hmm. to me that person's acting like that's a talisman secondarily the reason they have 400 rounds is because they've been sold a pretty big bill of fear. Mm -hmm. And that's that's sad for anyone to live a life based on fear. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that entirely. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to get into in this uh, this conversation? Well, I don't know. I mean, we're just here to talk about like community. I just I, yeah. I, I think one thing that's really important and it's something that um, is 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 a positive and i'm happy to see this is that it was kind of a happy accident with my work i didn't even think about it it just sort of happened but this is a much the people people that love first of all just the sport there's a lot of us there's a lot of us of all mm -hmm. spectrums across the sure. board Absolutely. um people that believe in the right from the person purposes of personal defense and community defense they're across the board and i think that one of the things that we need to do is not let the narrative be only one which is we see so much of um, uh, very much just like right wing. I'm going to usually say Christian white males like completely dominating this conversation as mm -hmm. though, and they think they owe as a result own the space. Now it would be in their interest too, from the perspective of preserving firearms rights to be inclusive and have everyone that believes in that a particular thing work together to make sure we don't lose a right because a right unexercised is lost. Right? So even if I disagree with you on economic policy, but we agree on firearms rights, we have an agreement there. And that makes us somehow interestingly in the same space. We have something in common versus something diversive. And I think that part of the conversation, at least within reason, I mean, there are people that are legitimately dangerous. You don't negotiate with them. But within reason, like agreeing on that topic means, well, we got something in common here. There's probably other things too. And maybe that could be a place where we kind of try to make that conversation better, not worse. And so by being more open and inclusive and saying, hey, there's people here and people there, and here we are all together doing this together. Um, 
perhaps conversation can be had that's better than what we've been having. Maybe it can be actually a community builder versus a community destroyer. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see that. Um, well, I think that's as good a note as any to uh, to close out on. Carl, you wanna you wanna throw your pluggables up before we we ride out of here? Yeah, sure. I mean, so I run InRange TV. You can find me at InRange.tv. Um, completely viewer supported. Like I said, I don't want any sponsors or anything. I like I like the idea of the people liking watching it, support it. So if you like it, cool, come check it out all over the place. YouTube, BitChute, decentralized video content distribution is another thing I believe in strongly. Uh, <laughs> the corporate oligarchy. But yeah, come out. If you want to have a little bit different take on firearm stuff, or you're interested in the confluence of civil rights and guns and stuff, come check out InRange tv i'd appreciate i always appreciate new viewers and thanks for checking it out awesome all right um yeah check out in range tv and uh check us out somewhere uh we won't tell you where but you can find us if you keep us in your hearts it could happen here is a production of cool zone media for more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.